This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Pain Treatment Review Clinical Cases by Dr. David Casavant. The purpose of this pediatric pain treatment overview is to both review the material that we have presented thus far and to approach that material from a practical how-to approach. When approaching a patient who has pain, we first think about who's the patient and what is their age? What is the pain problem that we hope to address? What are the characteristics of the pain and how do we measure them? What tools do we have to treat the pain? And lastly, how do we evaluate what effects our interventions have had on the patient's discomfort, and can we optimize them? Pain assessment. Who's the patient? Is the patient a premature infant, full-term infant, a toddler, or a young adult? And why does it matter? Age matters because one of the unique aspects of children is that they are dynamic. They're constantly changing intellectually, but they also have a dynamic physiology. Their changing body composition leads to changes in both drug metabolism and excretion, and these changes are significantly dependent on age. This table describes some of the age-related physiologic trends that are relevant to analgesic drugs and, and highlights the importance of age in drug effect and metabolism. For example, in neonates and infants, the hepatic cytochrome P450 enzyme system is immature. This immaturity results in decreased metabolic clearance of many medications and thus decreased infusion rates or increased dosing intervals. That is, longer periods between doses may be required. In contrast, children two to six years old have an increased hepatic mass for their body size. This group of patients tends to have an increased metabolic clearance and thus increased infusion rates or decreased dosing intervals, that is, giving medications more frequently may be required in order to achieve appropriate pain relief. As another example, neonates and infants have a decreased glomerular filtration rate, and thus they may have accumulation of renally excreted drugs or active metabolites requiring decreased infusion rates or increased dosing intervals to obtain good pain control. This slide shows the results of a study of the characteristics of morphine administration in patients of various ages. Equal per kilo doses of morphine were administered to preterm neonates, term neonates, and infants and children. In this study, the half-life of morphine in infants and children was found to be two hours. The same per kilo dose administered to term neonates had a mean half-life of six and a half hours. And that same per kilo dose of morphine administered to preterm neonates showed a half-life of nine hours, further emphasizing the importance of age and development on both the metabolism and excretion of opioid medications. What is the pain-related problem that we are addressing? Is this an acute medical or surgical issue, such as a fracture or, or a recent surgery? Or is this an exacerbation of pain associated with chronic medical or surgical issue? 
What are the characteristics of the pain? What things make it worse or better? Rest versus movement, ice versus heat, compression versus the avoidance of contact to the area, elevation versus dependency. What are the medications that have helped with the treatment of this pain thus far? What does the pain feel like? Is it stabbing, pinching, cramping? Is it a dull ache? Is it searing, shooting? Does it feel like electrical shock? Is it thermally evoked? Is there numbness? What's the distribution of the pain? Is it localized to the area of injury or is it referred to another region as well? What's the duration of the pain? Is this a new or a long-term ongoing pain? Does the pain occur over the course of hours or is it instantaneous flashes of discomfort? What does the physical exam reveal? If the pain is in an extremity, is it warm or cool? Are the pulses strong or weak? If there is a cast or an ACE wrap in place, is it too tight? If this is abdominal pain, is there rebound or guarding that may necessitate more urgent evaluation by surgical colleagues? How will we measure the pain? If the patient is a young adult, a self-reported pain level on a scale of 0 to 10 may be the most appropriate scale, with 0 being no pain at all and 10 being the worst pain that patient has ever experienced. A self-report scale such as the FACES scale, in which patients are asked to match the level of their pain with the FACES representing different levels of discomfort, may be most appropriate for early school-age children. An observational behavioral assessment scale, such as the FLAC, which evaluates the characteristics of face, legs, activity, crying, and consolability after a stimulus, may be the most appropriate for patients less than three years old. Pain management. What tools do we have at our disposal to treat this pain? Non-pharmacologic therapy includes massage and acupuncture, play and or music therapy, or other distraction techniques, heat and cold, guided imagery and or breathing techniques. And these may all be employed depending on the developmental age of the child and the clinical scenario. Pharmacologic therapy. Non-opioid therapy should be employed, including the use of acetaminophen and ibuprofen. In addition, drugs that affect neuronal signaling, such as pregabalin, gabapentin, the tricyclic antidepressants such as amitriptyline and nortriptyline, along with others, may be utilized most likely with consultation with a pain specialist. The opioid medications. We recommend that you get to know one or two of these medications well, including the starting dose, both in milligrams per kilo and the adult starting dose for patients greater than 50 kilos. Also, Know the multiple forms of the drug. Is it available in liquid or tablet? And is there a sustained release form? If it's available with adjuvants, such as acetaminophen, know the common side effects and drug interactions. Also know if it is widely available. The best medication in the world may not be useful to a patient if it's only available from a subspecialty pharmacy at a great distance from the patient. Lastly, is there significant abuse potential or street value to this medication? Abuse potential and or street value should not preclude a practitioner from using the medication, but a smaller number of doses with more frequent follow-up may allow for the safe administration of the medication and avoid the possibility of diversion of the drug for non-medical use. Let's discuss the opioid medications morphine and oxycodone. 
Again, getting to know just one or two drugs well has multiple advantages. It allows comfort and confidence for the practitioner with initial dosing. It facilitates the practitioner's understanding of the limits of the medication. And lastly, when the pain that a patient is experiencing is not responding as the practitioner would expect from their experience, it highlights for the practitioner that more investigation and inquiry of the injury and or the patient is required. Table three lists initial dosing guidelines for opioid analgesics. It covers many of the common opioid analgesics used to treat pain. Let's begin by discussing morphine in some detail. Morphine is available for both intravenous and oral administration. Starting IV dose would be 0.05 to 0.1 milligram per kilo in a patient less than 50 kilos, with oral doses of 0.3 milligrams per kilo every four hours as needed for pain, reflecting the one to three IV to oral conversion rate for morphine. The adult intravenous starting dose is five milligrams. The adult oral starting dose is 15 milligrams every four hours as needed for pain. Morphine is available as a liquid or tablet, which is scored and crushable, and there is an extended release form of the medication as well. It is not available with adjuvants such as acetaminophen. Common side effects are what would be expected from a narcotic medication. Depressed respiratory drive, somnolence, nausea, vomiting, and constipation. Morphine is widely available and has significant abuse potential and also some street value making diversion for non-medical use a possibility. Let's now discuss oxycodone in some detail. Oxycodone is available for administration only in an oral formulation. The starting dose of oxycodone is 0.1 milligram per kilo every four hours as needed for pain in a patient who is less than 50 kilos. The starting adult dose for a patient greater than 50 kilos is five to 10 milligrams of oxycodone every four hours as needed. There are multiple forms of this medication. It's available in a liquid, a tablet, which is scored and crushable, and also an extended release formulation. Oxycodone is available with adjuvants such as acetaminophen in both tablet and liquid forms. The liquid form contains five milligrams of oxycodone and 325 milligrams of acetaminophen per 5 mLs. Common side effects include depressed respiration, somnolence, nausea, vomiting, and constipation. It's widely available and there is significant abuse potential and street value making diversion for non-medical use a significant possibility with the use of oxycodone. Lastly, we must evaluate the effect of our interventions. We must weigh the level of pain relief against the side effects. The side effects of the opioid medications in particular are depressed respiratory drive, somnolence, nausea, vomiting, and constipation. Clinical case one. This patient is a four-year-old male who suffered an ulnar fracture one day prior to the examination. At the time of evaluation, the patient is crying and saying, ouch, ouch, and pointing to his arm. When asked to choose which face on the Wong Baker faces scale matches the way his pain feels to him, he points to the face associated with a level of eight out of 10 pain and the phrase hurts a whole lot. On physical exam, his arm is casted. He has strong pulses. 
His fingers are warm and well perfused, and his weight is 20 kilos. He has just been seen by the orthopedic physicians who treated him initially. They feel that the cast is not too tight, and his pain is appropriate to the injury, but would like recommendations on dosing from, from a pediatric practitioner. What tools do we have to treat this child's pain? For non-pharmacologic therapy, both play and or music therapy would be most appropriate for a patient of this age. In addition, distraction with quiet activities such as arts and crafts may also be very effective in de decreasing his pain. Pharmacologic therapy should include acetaminophen and ibuprofen utilized in weight-appropriate doses. In addition, opioid medications may be helpful in this patient. But where should we start? Begin by going to the medications that we've become familiar with, including routine starting dose, in this case, in milligrams per kilo. What forms of the drug may be most effective for the administration of a patient this age, keeping in mind side effects, availability, and abuse and diversion potential? We refer back to our table of initial dosage guidelines and determine that oxycodone would be an appropriate choice for this patient's pain. The starting dose of oxycodone is 0.1 milligram per kilo every four hours as needed. The medication is available as a liquid, which seems to be the most appropriate form for administration in this patient. And in fact, the liquid preparation of oxycodone with acetaminophen may have added advantages for pain control in this boy. The oxycodone carries with it the common side effects of opioid medications, including depressed respiration, somnolence, nausea, vomiting, and constipation. It is widely available, and there is some potential for the diversion of this medication, not by the patient, but by others in the household of this child. You begin with a starting dose of two milligrams every four hours as needed for pain. This results in significant pain relief lasting five to six hours. There is no depressed respiratory drive, no somnolence, no nausea, no vomiting, nor any constipation. Thus, this is clearly the appropriate dose for this child with this injury. Clinical case two. This patient's a 14-year-old, otherwise healthy young man. He suffered an ulnar fracture one day prior to the examination. He states that the pain is a seven out of 10 on a, on a zero to 10 pain scale. The pain occurs right over the point of the fracture and it awakens the patient from sleep. He has been taking only Tylenol thus far for pain control. On physical exam, the patient has just been seen by your orthopedic colleagues. There is a cast in place which does not appear too tight and he has strong pulses. His fingers are warm and well perfused with a strong grasp and the orthopedic team has asked for pediatric consultation for opioid management of his pain. What tools should we employ to help this patient tolerate the pain? Clearly, music therapy that the patient enjoys may be very effective in decreasing some of the pain that he's experiencing. In addition, distraction with video games, television shows, and events that are of interest to the patient, and interaction with social media such as texting may all help appropriately distract this patient from focusing on his discomfort. The patient may also benefit from guided imagery and breathing techniques to decrease the effects of discomfort from his injury. Non-opioids such as acetaminophen and ibuprofen should be utilized in adult doses and an opioid such as oxycodone would be a very reasonable choice in this scenario. 
The oxycodone starting dose is 5 to 10 milligrams every 4 hours as needed for pain. It comes as a tablet and an extended release form, which in this case would not be required. It's available with adjuvants such as acetaminophen, and the, the common side effects of all opioid medications would be expected, depressed respiratory drive, somnolence, nausea, vomiting, and constipation. The oxycodone is widely available at outpatient pharmacies, but there is significant abuse potential and, the, and diversion may be an issue, and thus the practitioner should consider a small number of doses, for example, two to three day supply, and follow up in several days time. You begin treatment with five milligrams of oxycodone every four hours. This results in significant pain relief, but only lasting three hours. There is no depressed respiratory drive, no somnolence, no nausea, no vomiting, and no constipation. In order to achieve more effective pain treatment, the dose is increased to 10 milligrams of oxycodone with the next administration. This results in significant pain relief lasting six hours. Although there is no respiratory depression, there's significant somnolence after the dose, but no nausea, no vomiting, and no constipation. Once the somnolence has resolved, you reduce the dose to 7.5 milligrams of oxycodone. Now you have significant pain relief lasting six hours. There's no depression of respiratory drive, no somnolence, no nausea, no vomiting, or constipation. And thus you've achieved the appropriate dose for pain relief in this patient. Clinical case three. This patient is a 17-year-old male who suffered an ulnar fraction four weeks prior to your examination. Over the past week to 10 days, the patient reports increasing pain that he identifies as a seven on a, a zero to 10 pain scale. He describes the pain as searing, burning with radiation down his arm and has an electrical shock feel. The oxycodone doses that had been effective early in the course of his recovery from this injury no longer seem to be effective. On physical exam, his cast is off, he has strong pulses, his fingers are warm and well perfused, but light touch causes significant discomfort. The characteristics of this physical exam, the patient's self-report, and the timing from the injury hint that this may be a neuropathic pain syndrome, and thus the patient may benefit from consultation with a pain treatment specialist and follow-up with the orthopedic surgeon. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.